Alright. So last week was basically our introduction to uh, the little series that I'm doing on our Baptist heritage. So today we're going to do just a, a quick review and then we're going to basically go through some marks or some... Uh, what uh, what I say is a testimony, basically, of what a New Testament church believes biblically. So, on page one of your handout, we have four steps in following God. So, I want to see how well you guys paid attention last week. And number one was, you must what? the word, God's Word. First of all, what must we do? We've got to believe God's Word. So, that goes in your blank, believe. And then number two, you must trust God's Word. Number three is you must close, keep God's Word. A little different, but real close. We've got to keep God's Word. And we could study that out. And keep basically means to guard it, to make sure uh, it, it's... it's uh, accurate and true and not messed with, and yet our church stands on that because we believe we have the Word of God and we are going to... I told somebody the other day, you know, it's really hard not to confront people when you're confronted with something. And yet we've got to have the attitude that things really don't upset us in a certain way. And let me give you a for instance. I did a job this week for a lady and, and uh, she came up and looked at the shower that I did and she wasn't happy with it. Uh, there's a couple reasons why. Uh, number one, I think I have a problem of being very quick at doing what I do. So when someone thinks it's going to take a couple days to do something and I get it done in a day... <laughs> Sometimes I get some feedback on that, like, uh, well, I thought it would take you this long to do the job. Well, you paid me to do the job, not the time to do it. And so she basically came up and she goes, well, I don't like this and this. It looks kind of sloppy. Oh, I had to bite my tongue because <laughs> I'm very picky with the things I do. And so I just asked her what she didn't like, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll address that. And one thing she didn't like was, she goes, there was a, a shower box, and it had a trim around it. Well, the tile's white, and the trim was black. And the trim was this little slim pieces that went around it. And she goes, you've got it pieced together. It does, it's not full pieces going around the box. I said, the box is 13 inches wide, and my pieces are 12 inches so I'm going to have to put a piece on each side. So I can put, I can divide that up however you want it. And if you don't like where I have it, I can split it on a different line or something. But we're going to have a piece. And she couldn't get that in her head. She's like, she's, and my wife's the first time she's heard about this. And, and I said, I can put the splice where you want, but it's going to have a splice. And she goes, well, why can't it be one piece? I've said, because it's 13 inches and your pieces are only 12. And so, <laughs> okay. And so, there are times that I told D D two class Wednesday night. I kind of told them the same thing. And I said there are some times that we have to realize 
that we're we're dead. We we are dead in Christ, and we we got to let things not offend us. Okay, so I tried not to let that offend us, but I said, "Oh my!" But when somebody wants to mess with my Bible, they come in and say, "You know, your Bible's wrong." The fight's on, <laughs> and the fight may be on in a nice way, but there are some things that we should not let offend us. Is what I'm saying. But there are some things that that we need to not let go, okay, in a nice way. Well, I I took care of the things I needed to take care of, so I haven't heard. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, uh, yeah, when she told it, you know, I I don't have a problem dealing with somebody if they don't like something, but when they go, you you did a sloppy job here. She was likely wanting a refund for the time that you did. Well, that's what I was thinking. And things wrong. Well, yeah. My brother-in-law run into that a lot. When he gets done quicker, yeah. they think, I'm paying for time. Right. I did. Yeah, I, I paid you, in my mind, two days, and you only took one. Okay. But if you tell him you can do it in one day, and it's going to take longer than that. Yeah, then it's okay. Well, <laughs> okay. So we need to just decide... Pick our battles, okay? And so, um, I don't even know why he's getting on that. So, let's keep moving. So, we must keep God's Word. So, my point was, there is, you know, when someone says your Bible's wrong, like I said, then that's something that may upset me, but I still need to act in a decent way. Same way with you, okay? And so, um, yes. And so learn not to, and I'm, I've had to learn that. It's taken me a long time because, you know, you know, sometimes when somebody would say something, it's just like, okay, we're on, you know. It's like, okay, well, calm down, Bob. Don't be that way. Why do people, when they've been brought up on KJV, why do they change? They get lazy. <laughs> and they want something they can understand just like that. You know what? That's a very good question because I do not understand that. Because they listen to people who run down the It depends, and Ron's right, it depends on who your authority is. My aunt and uncle taught us master life with King James, and now she. She's off of it? Different, and she won't even listen to me when I talk to her about King James. Yeah. So, why 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 do people leave a good church to go to a, a church that's not teaching? And 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 I'm I'm like I don't know, I don't know, but I know what. That that could be. So okay. So you got to keep. So we must keep God's word. And so you're talking about what what about people that don't keep God's word? They're going to have to answer to the Lord about that. Okay. Because um, when you change God's, when have you ever anybody in here in, in, ever been interviewed by a newspaper, TV, or anything like that? School, school news. I mean, it could be anything. And they take your words and they take them out of context. Mm-hmm. Did that make you feel good? No. It, it, actually, that's one thing that you know the fight's on too. I mean, they just took my words and and turned them completely around. What do you think God thinks when that happens to Him? Yeah. I'm sure he's not happy about it either. So, yes, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. I'm like you, Di. I just don't get that. You must. So we must keep God's word. Number four, you must what? Teach. Teach. 
God's Word. That's what the church needs to do. We've got to believe it. We've got to trust it. We've got to keep it. And we've got to teach it. Because if you don't teach it, what's going to happen? You're not, you've got to always be replacing yourself in ministry. Okay. And so. Underlying all of those, it's that we have to know God's Word by reading God's Word. You know, we've got to, it's got to be in us. It's got to be a part of us. Right. So yeah, you could you could put that in there. Yeah, you got to know it. But these are some steps I just put down myself. So we could probably all put a little bit different approach to this. But every individual in church must live these four steps out in their lives, or they will be out of God's will. Out of God's will. Very good. And then after that. They will have taken themselves out of God's mission for them in reaching the lost. There is a reason why God instituted His church and gave them the commission that He did and the, and basically the, what I would say the rules or the, or the marks that they need to follow because when we go do something else, God doesn't get the response that He wants. So that what, what's the response that God wants? He wants people to come to know Him as Lord and Savior. And so when we, if we get off to some, some of these modern versions and they get off of, of salvation and getting, and getting people saved, what's, or, or if people think they can lose their salvation and now they doubt, I mean, it just, it thwarts God's mission. Okay, so our next paragraph says, and so let me just stop right there. Are you personally involved in the Great Commission? So I always wondered, a couple years ago I was wondering, how can I make sure that I'm not off track as a Christian for God? How can I make sure I'm not off track? And then I I came up with this, or the Lord gave me this, because I don't think I'm this smart to come up with it. Am I fulfilling the Great Commission? Okay. So, can somebody come to me and say, Bob, are you fulfilling the Great Commission in your life? I can honestly say yes. Okay, I'm involved in believing, trusting, keeping, and teaching. I'm involved in getting God's Word out to places around the world. I can say, truthfully, I am involved in the Great Commission. Now, can each one of you say that? Because that's how you know if you're on track. Because if you're not on track, you're not involved in the Great Commission, you are AWOL. Okay? If you are not involved in God's Great Commission, you are AWOL. Now, what does that mean? I have a couple, uh, army absent without leave. You're just, you're like the guy out wandering in the woods. Okay? And a lot of people are. Uh, our next paragraph says, We can be assured that today we have the words of Christ because we have what Christ said in Matthew twenty four thirty five: Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. <laughs> and we can also be assured that Christ's church is still alive and well today because of what Christ said in Matthew sixteen eighteen. 
I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So with all the different churches and all the different Bibles today, how can we be sure that the church that we attend and the Bible that we use are what God has intended for us? And again, this is just a review of last week. And we must, you have a blank in your handout, correct? We must study these two matters out. Now, I have a feeling that the majority of people that attend churches today do not even think about this. They probably don't even think about it. And maybe some part in our life we didn't think about it until God just kind of woke us up and got us to the point like, well, what Bible should I be using? And what type of church should I be going to? Have you guys ever got there yet? Have you got to that point in your life? Yeah. Okay. So a lot of us have, okay? You know, a lot of us just didn't, well, let's see, which church I want to go to here? Well, let's, let's go to Heartland Baptist because, you know, their pews are so soft, they're all padded. Their preachers speak so well. They have air conditioning, paved parking lot. What else? Okay. You were, you were looking kind of funny there. <laughs> That's why you're here. We have... We have padded pews. We, you know, we have a really nice coffee bar. There's a lady that comes in and makes coffee for us. You know, it's close to my house. I've had people ask me, why in the world do you drive all the way to Harrisonville to go to church? There's a Catholic church on the corner. There's the biggest Methodist church in the country. It's a block from me. Why don't you move from Virginia back to Harrisonville to go to church? Yeah. Because you did your homework. Okay. Study it, and so we have to study the two matters out. When we study these out, we find they are both connected. To find out if the church we attend is a biblical church, we need to study the traits of the early churches found in the New Testament. Does our church up line up with them? So let's stop and think. Does, does HBF line up with the New Testament churches that we find in the New Testament? Well, let's, we're going to be looking at that. Okay. You talked about the church and why people come there. I heard that somebody said they sat out in the parking lot and saw how many people carried a Bible in. That's a good way. And when they he, they didn't carry it, he left. You know, and and you just, they wouldn't see me carrying a Bible. Mine's in my walker. Yeah. <laughs> well, but but the point is, they're looking to see if people bring a Bible to church. That's the point. I watched a video. I got sent a video from Abundant Life, somebody that's trying to get us together. And in that video, you know, they're saying everything. Not one person had a Bible. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, it showed them, like, in their coffee area, all talking and hanging out, socializing, and it showed it, kids and every. Not, no one had a Bible. And it's like, that's the reason I don't use mine on my phone, which would be okay, to, I guess, to do. But like Karen said, your witness is lost when you don't. somebody doesn't see you with that in your hand. Okay. And you're sitting on your phone in church with your phone on your Bible. People think you're playing games on your phone, not listening, paying attention. That's the mentality of some people. It's yeah. the witness. You, know? mm-hmm. you, want to, you want to witness to other people. That you believe that this is what you need to be carrying, what you need to be reading, what you need to be working through, you know, and living okay. 
So let me. Sometimes I have to look at the word when Brian says something or whatever. Well, I make sure that people see that I'm looking up a definition of that word. I don't know why it just bothers me that I'm all like, well, I mean, it doesn't bother me that other people are, except Bianca. <laughs> okay. But you know, I make sh- I hold it up to make sure that they know what I'm do- what I'm doing. Okay. I'm- How many of you now? I'm telling on myself here. Would you like it if the preacher gets up and preaches a message and he doesn't open up the Bible? Do you guys did that bother you? We did it at church and we left. I know. Okay. I know one that preaches from an iPad. They don't carry the Bible to the pulpit. Okay, well, that kind of... Bible on the Yeah. Brian Yeah. Well, okay. So, I mean, some of those are personal preferences, but when, when they don't even open up a Bible, right. and they don't have an iPad with the Bible on it, when they just get up and start talking... They're preaching out of the book. Uh, or they're... That was huge. Okay, it is huge. Yeah. You know, or so everything is based off this book, basically here. Okay, and so I, I don't know if you've heard him say what are our what are our rules here at the at our church? They're basically out of God's word, and we're going to look at that today. So, so does our church line up with the New Testament church? And in the book, The Trail of Blood, which which I gave you all a copy last week. Um, Start bringing that with you for the next couple of weeks. Read through that if you have some time this week, because it's a very interesting book. It's written by J.M. Carroll. He lists the traits of what he calls the marks of a New Testament church found in our Bible and found in churches down through history. So we should be able to go back to to the churches that we find in the New Testament and the things that they're doing, we should be doing. And how they conduct their business and their churches, we should be conducting. Because we want to have a biblical church too. So on the back of, of your handout, page number two, we're going to start going through the marks of the New Testament church today. So down through history, these traits, these marks of a New Testament church should be in the church. In other words, every biblical church should have these characteristics Okay, so number one, Christ is the head of the church. Okay, from the very beginning all the way down to today, we realize and Bible-believing churches believe that Christ is the head. Okay, and not the Pope. Okay, so again, based off of the verse Matthew sixteen eighteen, I want to have one of you read that verse to me. Matthew sixteen eighteen. We're going to use that on several of our our uh, traits here. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, so Christ calls the church whose church? His. He goes my church. My being the the key word. 
with Christ speaking here. Christ, it's Christ's church. And He is the head. Now let's go over to Colossians 1.18. In fact, let's back up to verse 12. Okay. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us. He has transferred, another word would be transferred. He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, and whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. So Christ is the head of the church. It is his church. And in Revelation we see the Laodicean church period that Christ is locked outside of the church. So what does that tell us? That in many churches he is not the head. Okay. So, Christ is the head of the church. And again, this is probably, again, I am talking to the choir in here, okay? But what we do need to realize is, even though we do have a biblical church here, and I don't say that just to toot our own horn, okay? There are a lot of churches out there and there are people out there that are in churches that are not in good biblical churches. Okay, we need to know that. Number two, another mark of the New Testament church from the very beginning all the way till today is that its only rule of faith and practice is the what? The Bible. Okay. So, again, turn over to 2 Timothy. 3.15 through 17. And again, this is like D1 lessons, guys. And, but you have to realize, many churches do not teach the Bible. They do not have a discipleship one or a discipleship two. And many churches that I've went to, to preach, to fill in, I can do a simple discipleship message and it blows them away. Because they've never heard it. It's happened over and over again with me. And I'm like, wow, this is basic and you guys do not know this. What have you been taught? Okay. So 2 Timothy, I've got to get there. 3, 15 through 17. Start there. And that from a child... Timothy, thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And then he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. So what is another word for doctrine? What is doctrine? 
Okay, teaching. The, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof. What is reproof? Correction. Correction. No, correction. Correction. Reproof is showing where you're off base or you're off. Okay? So the Bible's for teaching us truth or doctrine. It's for showing us when we go wrong. Reproof. Then it's for correction. How to fix that problem. And for instruction in righteousness of how to keep going. Okay? So basically the Bible is for everything we need. It teaches us truth. It shows us when we mess up. It shows us how to correct that. And then it gives us instruction to move forward. The Bible is everything we need. Okay? It's a, it is our only rule of faith and practice. And from the very early church all the way up until now, true biblical churches, they have this Mark in them. So number three, it's named church or churches. So where do we get that at? Okay. So turn over in your Bible to Matthew sixteen eighteen. And again. The same verse we've had pop up two or three times. And it says, and, and who's speaking here? Who can tell me who's speaking in this verse? Jesus. Jesus. And I, Jesus, say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So there's that word church again. Okay? And then turn over, so we know that, what is a church? It's a body of people. Okay, a body of, more specifically, what Rex said, it's a body of born-again believers that are meeting together. Okay? And it doesn't have to be in a building. You know, if if you're in India, they could be meeting under a tree. In a chicken coop. I haven't met in a chicken coop yet. Uh, I I know when I was in Uganda, India, the church that we were at, the church, the building that we were at, looked like a log cabin. That's what it looked like. We're sitting on benches, had a dirt floor. You could see cracks through the through the walls, and I'm sitting there looking, and I'm thinking, you know, this building kind of reminds me of a log cabin in the 1800s. Had a tin roof, so I guess it was up one notch up. But so a church is a group of born again believers that are meeting, right? And a lot of times we call the building, and I know I'm talking to the choir again. You guys know that the building is, but yet we say that all the time. I'm going to church, and so most of the time we're thinking I'm going to the building. But you know, what's that little thing that we learned as a kid? How that And there's the people. That's kind of right, but it's kind of wrong because the church is the people. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's, it doesn't make any difference. We don't have a steeple, so we must not have a real church. <laughs> there are people that kind of think that. They're like, well, church should be a white building. It should have a steeple on top, 
And I'm like, well, our church isn't white and we don't have a steeple. But you know what? Can you show me in the Bible where the New Testament church... That's a church. Yeah, the church Christ is the, church. the people. Yes. That's what he means. And so, uh, turn over to Revelation. And let's see where we're going here. Revelation 22.16. And Jesus is speaking again. And He says, I, Jesus, have sent Mine angel to testify unto you these things in the what? In the churches. So, uh, the name church or churches... Um, it is it's what they're called. It just dawned on me. Well, we don't actually call our name. We call ourselves a fellowship. It's not called Heartland Baptist Church, but but it is a church. Okay, Heartland Baptist Fellowship is in the name because the fellowship is really focusing more on the people. Okay, and so the name is church. Okay, and so it's polity. Number four on our list is congregational. All members are equal. Okay, Matthew twenty twenty four through twenty eight. So I think we realize that here. In fact, I'm not. I'm going to save some time and actually not go there. So anybody have a problem with that one? That everybody in our church is equal. Nobody is better than anybody else. Nobody has more say-so than anybody else, even though the, we've kind of designated the pastor or the pastors to make a lot of the decisions for us. We still don't have the attitude that Pastor Brian is any more spiritual than anybody else. He's just the man that we've are following because he's following God. Okay? So the polity is congregational. All members are equal. And then number five, it's members. Only... Well, you're not quite, right? Only saved people. So to be a member of this church, you have to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior... Now, I would say that added to that, you need to be baptized to be a member of this particular church. Okay? Yeah, that's the ordinances that come next. Yeah, we'll be talking about that. And this is a big deal. Because a lot of churches have members. If you just show up and sit in the seat, you're a member. You've been here so many times or something. Just because you attend the church services does not mean you're a member. But yet I've seen this happen a lot. You know, well, I've been coming here for 10 years. Are you born again? Are you baptized? Have you asked for church membership? Well, I just thought because I came, I was an automatic member. Hey, that happened to me at Cleveland. Yeah. I had a I had a man there. He thought oh, I just thought because I came, I'm a member. It's sort of what Steve Fleshman would tell about his membership up in the church where his father lives before he was saved. Right. Yeah, he went to a false church and he thought he was in good standing and he was a member of that church, but it was a false church. He was not saved. And he was not saved. 
So is it possible to be, and it's possible to be a member in a good New Testament biblical church and not, and be not saved. But if the, the pastor should be doing his homework to make sure that you are to the best of his ability. Mm-hmm. Some pastors are like, you're saved? Okay, that's good enough for me. Yeah, another, another, what well, they used to call that nose and nickels and noses or another nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just, we're trying to get more people in and more money. No. How do you think that pastor's gonna do standing at the judgment seat of Christ? Mm-hmm. Were you involved in the Great Commission or were you involved in building your, your church mm-hmm. and your finances? Mm. Don't want to be him. Mm-hmm. So the members of the church are only saved people. Okay, now, that focuses in on the Catholic Church, the Lutheran Church, and a lot of those people, because uh, um, you don't necessarily have to be saved. So, are does the members make a difference whether you're American or not? White? Nope. Smart? No. Apparently not. <laughs> okay. Conservative? Conservative? No. Old? How about breathing? Well, yeah, I think that one would have to fit. Uh, So, the building is who? It's the church again. Okay, it's members. Only saved, born again people. Again, talking to the choir. And then that's going to fit right along with number six. It's ordinances. Two. How many do we have here, Rex? Two. Two. Okay. I'm picking on Rex because you're the deacon, but, um, so, number one, first bullet point, believer's baptism defined biblically as to be immersed in water after, underline the next word, confession of salvation. Acts 8, 35 through 39, the Philip, the Ethiopian. I'm like it's a pen, but it's an Ethiopian <laughs> eunuch. Okay, that is the 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 biblical approach that that we're going to follow after. It is a confession of salvation followed with a baptism of immersion. Okay, again, from the very beginning. Of the New Testament churches, we see this. We see them. And this is the, the mode of, of, of the ordinances. And then it's followed by the Lord's Supper. And again, I think I'll save time. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 28. We follow the same model as, as the church at Corinth or the other churches that Paul helped establish. Okay. So the ordinances are, uh, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. And then number seven, one of the other marks of the New Testament church are its officers. So what are the officers of a New Testament biblical church? Pastor and deacons. Pastors, deacons, deaconesses, and, and who else? Oh, just those two. Okay. Just those two. Like where do you get that? <laughs> There are churches out there where there are deaconesses. And I'm like, where did that come from? There's some that are apostles. That are apostles. Okay. Uh, 
different office, or, and then a bishop and a pastor are basically the same. But, you know, and if you have any other, I mean, you may have a position in the church. That doesn't mean it's a biblical position in the church, okay? Alright, so, and we see that in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 16. So again, there's verses for each one of these characteristics of a New Testament church. And number eight, it's purpose to fulfill the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Okay? I may get through this. It's financial plan. How, do, how does it fund itself? Through tithes and offerings. Okay. Now this will also go along with number 11 we're going to see here in just a minute. So it's financial plan, tithes and offerings will go along with number 11. But in the middle I stuck number 10. It's weapons of warfare are spiritual and not physical. Okay, and I gave you a couple references for that. Second Corinthians ten three through four and Ephesians six ten through twenty. And the reason is there have been some churches down through history that thought that they should be physical in the approach as far as what they actually fought against believers or fought for what they believed. Okay, uh, there was a guy in Italy by the name of Zwingli. He thought he needed to fight. In fact, they had a battle, and I think the Catholic Church finally defeated him. But uh, he thought it was physical, and yet our our spiritual our warfare is spiritual. That's why down through history, when you read that book, you'll see a lot of our history is written in blood by all the Bible believers that have died because they were spiritually in warfare and doing their business and yet the the people that opposed them were physically doing it. And that led to, a, you know, basically a lot of people being killed. So it's a spiritual warfare that we fight, not a physical one. And yet every time when we see things going on, you can get mad at, at you can get mad at the government. You can get mad at society, you can get mad at Hollywood, you can get mad at all these situations, but we need to realize there's somebody behind them pulling the strings. This new one world government coming up, you can get mad at the globalists, you can get mad at all those people for doing all the stuff they're doing, and yet we need to realize it's really Satan behind them. So we fight not against flesh and blood, even though, I mean, we do, but the one behind it is is Satan. And number 11, the church, uh, the marks of a New Testament church are its independence. So, um, separation from other churches. churches, go in your blank, and government. Okay? So, churches do not govern other churches and governments do not govern over the church. And we'll see that all down through history. In fact, around 200 AD, you'll find some of the bigger churches who are wanting to lord over the small churches, which the Catholic Church was a unit, the name Catholic means universal. They tried to pull all the small little churches into them. Some of them went. 
but a lot of them didn't. You know, it seems like the the independent New Testament churches. This is what that word says: independent. Okay, I like to call it in Missouri redneck. You're not going to tell me what to do. Okay. We have that type of mentality. And for this instance, with the church, that's a good thing to have because we find out that the New Testament churches in the in our Bible were independent of each other. The church at Philippi did not govern. The church at, at Colossae did not govern. The church at Corinthians, they were all independent. Okay? So... Churches cannot govern other churches. The government should not govern the church. Nobody has the right to tell the church what to do. Now, I may step on some toes here, but let me tell you what I'm going to say. My wife's shaking her head. I go, I don't know. (laughs) The government has no right in telling the church how to run its business. Okay? Now, let me say this. The World Health Association has no right telling the church what they can do and what they cannot do. I have some mixed feelings about when we shut the church down a year ago. Should we have done that? You know what I kind of felt like? I kind of felt like uh, them shutting the building of the temple down in the Old Testament. But didn't, I mean, I, I came all the time to the services, so to me it wasn't shut down. I came to the... I didn't watch anything online. I came personally. Did you? Yes, I Well, did. good for you. <laughs> okay. Sharon was here ready to come for like... We had about a month that things were... Yeah. So it didn't take us long, but, but you know, I, I think if that would happen again, and I'm on tape, so I think if that would happen again, I don't think we would. But it didn't last long. Because we realized, hey, we got to meet no matter what the circumstances are. Okay? Alright. So, how about the media? The media shouldn't tell us. We can. Society in general should not be able to tell the church what to do. The church has been commissioned by God Himself. We need to follow what He says. Okay? So, let me wrap up with this. If a church does not follow these marks... These traits, they are not a biblical New Testament church. True or false? True? Everybody say true. Raise your hand. Raise both hands. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. If a church does not follow these, are they a false church? We don't think about that though, do we? And yet I'm not saying that to say, you know, look at us, we're right and you guys are wrong. But we need to have it in our mind. If you are not following the biblical pattern that we see, you are not a biblical church. Now I'm not saying that you can't get, you cannot get saved in a false church. I am not saying that God can't use that false church, but what I am saying is they're out of God's will. Just like the individual, if they're not involved in the Great Commission, they are out of God's will. Okay? So we're going to continue on next week. But think about that. If if you go to a church that is not biblical, you're basically going to a false church. And you will not be what God wants you to be.
Okay, so I'm going to leave it at that. We'll, we'll continue on next week, and uh, we'll dive in some things, and maybe we haven't thought of before. But uh, you know, we and I say that again, not to give ourselves a big head, but to much to who much is given, much is required. So we need to be about the Lord's business because He's given us the truth. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today. Lord, we do thank you that we have a perfect Bible that tells us everything we need to know of how you want us to live our life, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would do just that, that we would read your word, that we would believe it, that we would study it, that we would teach it, that we would keep it, that we would put our focus on your word and live it out in our life in a daily basis. And Lord, give us the compassion that we need to have to the people around us to give them the gospel and to help them to be the person that you want them to be, Lord. So we pray for that. We pray for our service today. We pray that if anyone's here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, to that they would be obedient to what the Holy Spirit tells them to do, and that's accept Jesus as their Savior. So we pray for that. We pray for Brian. Give him the words to say. Give him the illustrations to say. Give him everything we need to encourage us to live out the rest of the week. So we just ask all this, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.